I was recruited by Coach uh, Gus at Texas, Coach Seymour at Oklahoma, and Gene Stevenson at Wichita State when I was transferring from McNeese State. I'm looking for good students uh, because I, I really believe a student athlete that's good in the classroom is going to be accountable, disciplined, and responsible. Uh, you know, to have the third pick in the draft and Janista went in the second round, we had five in the top ten rounds, which was second in college baseball, and the 11 drafted guys was also second in college baseball. We're picking up extension, spin rate, velocity, launch angle, exit velocity. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. On this episode, we sit down with Todd Butler, head coach at Wichita State University. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Coach Butler. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're sitting down here with Todd Butler, head coach at Wichita State. Coach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. I've been looking forward to it, Joey and Bo. Um, looking forward to you know, talking some baseball here today with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, you know, a big part we want to have you guys on is um, obviously, you know, when it comes to development, you know, Wichita State has been known, you know, to have some really high lofty uh, draft picks and kind of now is expectation of, you know, not only, uh, you know, your co- uh, coaching um, series that you've had there at the, at the school as well. But, you know, just the history of the school is just so great. Um, and what Wichita's done and how they develop players. So that's why we want to have you on and pick your brain a little bit about that side of the game and, um, you know, allowed you to have an open mic and a platform to, to really uh, educate the nation on what you guys are doing over there. Well, you know, if, if I take that question and run with it, you know, I have to go back to, uh, you know, 1970s when Coach Gene Stevenson, Hall of Fame coach that, uh, you know, that, that started this program from dirt. There was uh, no chain link fence. They had, uh, I think, 18-wheeler trailers for fans to watch the game. You know, the great uh, Joe Carter was a football player, baseball player that came to Wichita State. And, uh, you know, the rumor is he hit balls out of the state of Kansas when he was here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you watched him play with the Toronto Blue Jays. But, you know, Gene Stevenson built this program. And if you think about Wichita State, uh, you know, for the older baseball people around the country, I mean, he's the face of, of Shocker baseball. And uh, so I replaced uh, the second winningest uh, coach of all time. And, you know, they used to play 90 games a season and go to Hawaii and play unlimited games. And, if you look at the list of major league players that came through here from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and 2000s, uh, many big leaguers, all Americans, uh, you know, a tremendous list. So, you know, walking in here, there's been a national championship that has been won. There's been uh, seven World Series appearances. I think two runner-up national champions. Uh, 
you know, Coach Stevenson did a great job, and it took a little bit of time to get him back in the program, and he came back last year. Uh, believe it or not, he recruited me in 1986. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, for those young coaches out there, when you're thinking, you know, where where will you be one day? Uh, I was recruited by Coach uh, Gus at Texas, Coach Seymour at Oklahoma, and Gene Stevenson at Wichita State when I was transferring from McNeese State. And, uh, you know, 30 years later, you know, after him recruiting me, I went to Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I replaced the man that recruited me. And uh, so it's been quite a quite a journey uh, looking how things work through your life as you get older. But, uh, you know, the development side, the tradition, the history, uh, this is a baseball-rich program. Uh, and this is a baseball university that has been about baseball and the community of, of Wichita and the state of Kansas for decades. And, uh, you know, it's been an honor to be here. And we're trying to get back to that College World Series. And, you know, I think it's a little bit tougher today because more schools and programs put more money into baseball. You know, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I mean, Wichita State was the program mm -hmm. in the Midwest. And I think Oklahoma State with Coach Gary Ward, there were many battles through the years between the Shockers and the Cowboys and other programs in the Midwest. But, uh, you know, our facilities, uh, you know, talking about development, we have a Bombardier Learjet practice facility. It's a complete infield with four, uh, three batting cages. We can scrimmage inside when the weather gets cold in January and February. We don't miss a beat. We have an 8,000-seat stadium. Uh, we're about to build a new locker room, weight room, training room, video room, meeting room right next to the indoor, which is going to be nice for our program. Hopefully, we're going to start on that in December for, for our student-athletes. So, uh, it's an all-turf field. Uh, it's a great place to play. We have one of the number five scoreboard in the country, and we have a sound system that rocks throughout the stadium. So, you know, we've just taken what Coach Stevenson has built with a lot of hard work. And uh, when we bring players on campus, we have a chance to get them. But the development side is every day. Uh, you know, it never ends. Sure. You know, playing college ball an hour outside of Wichita, those facilities are top-notch you guys got there. They are. And, you know, you look around the country, uh, programs are building $60 million stadiums now, mm -hmm. you know, 30 to 60 million. So, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses, I think this new, you know, locker room, weight room is going to be good for our recruiting. But, uh, you know, the development part, you know, just getting into that a little bit, you know, the first thing when I call a young man, a student athlete out of high school or junior college, and I've recruited more high school players. Uh, since I've been here, I mean, we have, uh, you know, of our 39 players on our roster this fall, 36 are from the high school ranks. First thing I ask, uh, what are your grades, you know, uh, your GPA and your ACT or SAT? Our team GPA for incoming freshmen is a 3.56. So we, I'm looking for good students uh, because I, I really believe a student athlete that's good in the classroom is going to be accountable, disciplined, and responsible. So I'm not going to have to worry about drama going to class. That guy's going to take care of his classwork. And the great players like tonight, I get to, you know, I'll get to watch Dallas Keuchel, Andrew Benintendi, you know, David Robertson from the Yankees, you know, recruited some of those guys and, and sometimes in the same dugout with those guys. All those guys were great in everything that they did. You know, they just weren't good baseball players. They're very complete. They were responsible. They were on time. They were at weights on time. They were in the classroom on time. They did their assignments. So the development part for a student athlete, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of really great players across the country, 
and there's a lot of great players that are ready for professional baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, the chances of making it to the big leagues are tough. I mean, because it is a job and it is every day. But the players that I've been around that uh, have taken care of everything that they need to, I think the development in college baseball is more about responsibility. It's about discipline. It's about accountability, those words that I keep using. And you're trying to get these guys prepared to take care of their business so when they do get to pro ball, and hopefully you get a chance to play in Omaha with these players while they're with you, but when they do get to the pro side, they're prepared. And so we had 11 guys drafted last year. The one thing that I can talk about the development is 10 of the 11 players were not drafted out of high school. You know, Alec Bohm was a third baseman out of Omaha, Nebraska, that could really hit, and I felt like his defense needed to improve. But it's a lot easier to teach defense than hitting. (laughs) So, you know, he could hit when he stepped on campus. And, uh, you know, Grayson Janista was from Eudora, Kansas. Both of those guys were not recruited other than Wichita State. And once they committed to us, I was going, we have two of the best hitters in the Midwest coming to our program. That was the first group of players that we really had time to recruit as juniors in high school to go see and identify and to get those guys on campus. So they committed as juniors. They came to school. And I told both of them, I said, hey, you have a chance to be first, second, third round picks. If you stay here, keep taking care of your business, keep working hard. What's an advantage of of our development at Wichita State? We don't have college football. So we don't have quite as many student athletes. You know, it's been a baseball university, and now it's basketball also, what basketball does. But we don't have a lot of distractions. So we have academics, and our guys live at our indoor facility, our locker room. They're here all the time, and I have guys walking through the office that don't have class today that are getting ready to get some individual work hitting. And I think those guys that were drafted last year took advantage of that and really, uh, you know, to have the third pick in the draft and Janista went in the second round. We had five in the top ten rounds, which was second in college baseball, and the 11 drafted guys was also second in college baseball. Was really proud of watching them develop. Now, here's the other side of it. You know, as coaches, we'll, we'll you know, spread our shoulders and poke our chest out and say, well, I really developed Bohm or Janista. These players develop themselves. Mm-hmm. As a coach, you're just giving them leadership, guidance. Hey, you need to get better at two strikes. You go do this in the cage every single day. I can't be with you every day, but if you'll go take this on as a challenge but to become better, you need to go hit breaking balls. We need to take more ground balls every day. Well, you have plenty of time, even though the NCAA limits our time for 20 hours per week for practice, you have time to develop these kids in their baseball you know, abilities to get better. So, you know, the, the development is about the young man being serious about his game, uh, to to take what he's told to be coachable and to, 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 you know, to activate himself to do those things every day. And about 20% of the guys that I coach, I think, have a chance to be big league players. They have a chance. doesn't mean they're going to make it, but they have an outside chance to possibly have a chance to play in the big leagues. Eighty percent of the guys think that they can play in the big leagues, but they usually don't want to work quite as hard as that twenty percent. So, you know, you're just trying to get guys to wake up, to be able to see clearly, to be able to focus on their day, and to get better while they're here. Yeah, it's so good, Coach. You kind of touched on your journey a little bit there. Do you mind taking our listeners through kind of your career stops to get to this point in your baseball career? You know, today uh, it's all about uh, playing one sport. 
you know, everyone talks about, well, I, I have my travel team, I have my hitting coach. You know, no one has a bunning coach that <laughs> they go get tutored by because my freshmen, when they get here, they usually can't bunt. You know, base running and things like that. It, you know, I played all sports in high school. I played football. Football was my favorite sport. I loved playing wide receiver and defensive back. You know, I'm not a big guy, five foot nine, so I had to work on my speed. I uh, played for a guy named Shannon Suarez, a legendary high school coach in Sulphur, Louisiana, and he was an, he was a former Marine, and he was tough. He was so good that he told us he was best friends with Bear Bryant. And as a, as players, we said, there's no way he knows Bear Bryant. And this is when the Bear was the man at Alabama. Everybody loved Bear Bryant. And so years pass. This is how things go. Years pass. I'm at the University of Alabama at 27 years old, making $16,000 as a paid assistant. I'm two weeks on the job. Jim Goosetree, the former trainer for Bear Bryant, comes in with a top hat and an unlit cigar in Coleman Coliseum. <laughs> he says, boy, where are you from? I said, I'm from Sulphur, Louisiana. He said, did you play football? I said, yes, sir. He said, did you play for the man? I said, yes, sir. And his name was Shannon Suarez. I said, do you know him? He said he was best friends with Bear Bryant. I said, you got to be kidding me. I should have known that he was because Coach Suarez, my high school coach at Sulphur, Louisiana, named his first son Bear and his second son Cubby. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of getting off track, but I'm from Sulphur, played football, ran track, played baseball. My only offer out of high school was uh, to McNeese State and uh, the McNeese State Cowboys right there in Lake Charles. Played there two years. The coach was fired. Had a chance to go to Texas, OU, or Wichita State. I chose to go with Coach Enos Seymour, who was a great coach at OU for many, many years. Played for him for two years. I was a shortstop. Uh, threw the ball away a lot, like my freshmen do, and uh, he moved me to center field, and it was like he let me out of the out of the corral. I got to run free and had a good career there as a senior. Uh, was picked up as a free agent by the Indians. Got to play one year of pro ball, which I'm thankful for. I at least know how tough pro ball is. Wasn't quite good enough to play past high A, and then I went back to McNeese State, where I'm from, and I started coaching with Tony Robichaux who's at Louisiana Lafayette, and he's done a fantastic job for 30 years now. And so I started with Tony, went to Alabama as the restricted earnings coach in 1994, and worked with Jim Wells. We went to three World Series. Uh, 96, 97, we played for a national championship. In 99, we went back. So after six years in the SEC of just grinding and recruiting, I went back to McNeese, where I'm from. My wife's from there. We had our second daughter, coached there three years, went to a regional, and uh, Alabama called. I went back to Alabama, <laughs> made more money, went back as an assistant, and uh, then I went to Arkansas for eight uh, with Dave Van Horn. So I was with Robichaux, Jim Wells, and Jim worked for Skip Burtman at LSU, so that was huge for me as a coach. Uh, Dave Van Horn, I felt like uh, it was good to be with Dave for eight years at Arkansas. We went to two World Series. I uh, had a lot of great players and draft picks out of there. Uh, Dave, uh, learned a lot from Dave. Coach Van Horn's been a head coach his whole career, and he has won everywhere he's been. And he was he has won with many different coaches. He had Rob Childress from A&M at Nebraska. He had Matt Dex, who's at Sam Houston. Myself, Tony Vitello, is now at Tennessee. 
and there'll be another uh, big time coach coming out of there in the future. So, uh, 16 years in the Southeastern Conference as a recruiting guy, you know, seeing the best players in the country. I remember seeing Josh Hamilton out of Apex, North Carolina, when he was coming out of high school, probably the greatest player I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Eric Chavez, I can name player after player that I was fortunate to watch for many years. But after 16 years, I was going, well, I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own head coach. So, you know, the job opened here at Wichita State, and I uh, was fortunate to come here. So this will be our sixth year here, and uh, we just keep working. And no, that's awesome. And, you know, uh, one thing I wanted you to really touch on as well is, um, you know, you talk about it, you guys are updating a lot of facilities. You know, guys, you guys do have this great history. But, you know, I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, you know, what sets – uh, Wichita apart, you know, from all of these other schools um, in that in that sense of previously. Right. So, I mean, you got you guys are out in the Midwest um, and, you know, and like you had mentioned, you know, really at the time, Wichita State was was the only school that, you know, we even thought of when you really thought of uh, Midwest, Midwest and some of those elite schools. So what what would you say that that sets uh, Wichita apart in, in that manner? Well, you know, just looking at, at what happened last year in the draft, uh, that was big for us. But you have to go before last year. I mean, you have to think about, you know, the young players coming out of high school today, well, they, they don't really remember the Dreyfurts, uh, you know, Pat Mears, the P.J. Forbes. I mean, there's so many great players. I can't list them all. Uh, but the parents remember those players, and they remember the history of the program. So you look at it now, and you look at the, our surrounding area, okay, in the Midwest. Well, these are the teams that we're recruiting against. And I want the best player that we can get. And, and the players that we're getting are recruited by many schools in the Midwest. I mean, we have Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. We have Nebraska. We have KUK State. We have Missouri. We have Iowa right above us. We have TCU, you know, below us down there, five hours. So we've been recruiting from the Midwest down into Texas and uh, basically about a 500-mile radius from Wichita. Now, does that mean we can't go to California to get a player or Arizona? Well, it comes back to, to the connections and the network of the friends that you have in, in baseball that can that you can trust that's uh, recommended a very good baseball player. But the facility, you know, the stadium, the stadium reminds me of the University of Texas. It's not quite as tall behind home plate, but when you stand on that mound, it's a big facade, you know, press box up there. The, the seats go up many, many rows. And, uh, you know, it, it's a nice setting. We have a hill in the outfield for fans to sit out there. But when we get this locker room, weight room, training room, meeting room, video room, they will all con it will connect the indoor, the dugout, everything. We'll be on one side of the field. I think that's going to push our recruiting now to another level. Yeah, for sure. You know, I want you to kind of even open that a step further. You guys are, as you said, not only producing, you're finding these professional caliber players and giving them the means to kind of get there. Um, can you kind of open up what kind of player you guys are targeting during that recruiting process and then kind of touch on how that process has changed for you over the years? Well, you know, the recruiting process, just to, to, to go into that, and you might have to leave me from here, is was, uh, you know, 20 years ago it was about uh, me playing ball with a, a guy in the Cape Cod or uh, coaching a guy up in Alaska or, uh, you know, having a teammate at OU or, you know, just someone would call and go, hey, Butler, we've got a player out here that's a shortstop that uh, you need to get. And you trusted that, that person that called, and you knew that player was you had to see him. So it was about connections and network. 
well, now I can sit at my desk and I can pull up the computer and go to Perfect Game or, or PBR, Press Baseball Report, and I can list the top 500 players in the country. And it's opinionated at times, but it, you can just get on the computer and look around your area or across the country to find the best players, how they're ranked, and you can see their 60 times, their arm strength, their their velocity coming off the bat or the pitcher's velocity. You know, you can see everything, grade point averages. So recruiting is much faster. And, uh, you know, with the cell phone and the, the technology of Twitter and social media and and all the advantages that young kids have today, they can reach out to you faster, works a lot quicker. You know, 15, 20 years ago, you recruited seniors in high school. Well, now we're recruiting seniors, juniors, sophomores. Some, there's some freshmen that have already committed in high school across the country. So it's a much faster process. You know, I encourage players to take their time to make sure that's a good fit. You know, with us not having football, it's a little bit different. Uh, but I think it's a good thing because uh, our athletes, we have fewer athletes and it's better for our, our program and our academics because there's not a lot, of, a lot of different distractions going on. And also, you know, when you you go into that and kind of how Bo kind of hinted to, when you do find these players, obviously when it, you, you get a good, great look from online about obviously their stats and where they rank and all those things as well, you know, but when you do, um, you know, finally get to meet the player and you get into, you know, what does that Wichita State player look like? What is that? Uh, what is his character and body? You know, what are, what, are, what are some of those things? Well, if you looked at our team last year, uh, we're very physical. I mean, when we stepped off the bus, I mean, you know, our catcher was 6'2", 220. Our first baseman was 6'4", 215. Second baseman, 6'1". Third baseman, 6'5", 225. 6'3", 225 in right field. We were very physical. We were very big. Our pitchers were tall and big. I mean, we probably looked like a, a minor league low-level team as far as our athleticism and size. So, you know, I'm looking for hitters that can impact the baseball you know, that can really hit the ball through the infield or, or by the outfield that uh, hits hard enough that uh, people can't get to it. Looking for speed, you know, athleticism to run. You know, one thing that's going on in baseball, if you watch Major League Baseball, there's not, you know, you don't see a Lou Brock. I mean, you don't see, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals where you have someone still in 100 bases anymore. It's all about power. It's all about velocity. The game has changed quite a, it's quite a bit as far as the talent level maybe. It's still the same game. It's the same fundamental, sim- simple ball game. But these athletes train so much now. You know, I, I just think they're stronger. They're more into nutrition. Uh, they're smarter. They they can get on the phone instead of having to get up and go to an encyclopedia. You know, they don't have to go to a phone book. It's instant access of information. I mean, they can watch the playoff game on their cell phone or their iPad. They can slow down a hitter like like Turner from the Dodgers. They can watch his load. There's so much information for the players today to see with their own eyes and their brain to watch the mechanics of a pitcher or a hitter. So it's really fantastic how much information they have. But as far as the players at Wichita State, uh, this year we're going to be a faster team. We're going to have more team speed, and I'm excited about that. and I'd like to see us run more. Uh, last year, we were a little bit more powerful. We, we hit more home runs since I've been here last year than the teams prior, you know, prior to our team last year. But uh, hopefully we'll be more of a team that can score you know, different ways and whatnot. But, 
you know, the game is more powerful than I've ever seen. If you watch the playoffs, like last night, uh, Walker Bueller, I mean, he's throwing 98 miles per hour. I remember him coming out of high school and going to Vanderbilt. Um, these guys are, are just super talented and very committed to their bodies and their training. And, uh, you know, I know Nolan Ryan threw hard and Roger Clemens. And there might be more kids throwing hard today. Or maybe the guns are jacked up a little bit faster than they were 20 years ago. Absolutely. Coach, we kind of tried to make it a point here at the farm system to kind of see how these high-level programs set up and run their practices. Can you yeah. kind of take us through what a day of practice looks like there for the Shockers? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I think an advantage that I had, you know, when I was in my late 20s and early 30s was working for Jim Wells at Alabama. Uh, Jim worked for Skip Berman at LSU, and Skip won five national championships. He beat us in 97 to win uh, I don't know, his third, fourth, or fourth, fourth national championship. But uh, Jim was a brilliant coach uh, when I was with him for eight years at Alabama. Basically, we're going to do the same practice two days in a row. So day one is, you know, defense, BP, pop-ups, and rundowns. Day two is the same practice schedule. And then day three, we'll slip in some bunt defense and things like that. And we'll you know, double cut. You have to cover so much in baseball. There's so many different parts of the game that are important. But the thing I learned from Jim, from Skip, is you do them two days in a row. That way the players will learn. They'll retain it. So after about 30 days, we will cover everything with about 15 different practice schedules. And then we'll go back to practice number one. One thing that has changed for me is uh, was accustomed to practicing right at four hours a day. You know, we could have have 20 hours of practice a week. And we would use, you know, all of our 20 hours at Alabama. I'm using all of my 20 hours here at Wichita State, but I might have a two-hour up-tempo, everyone moving, trying to cover as many things as we can in 10-minute increments to keep their attention. And it's a fast-paced practice. And everything, I try to make everything game-like. So our defense double plays, everything under a 4.2, you know, with the stopwatch, trying to get a stopwatch in their heads for the feel of the game. Our BP, we try to move it up close to simulate a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. In the cages, we're trying to simulate an 80-mile-an-hour slider from the distance and the velocity of the machine. So everything is about game speed. And I think that's one adjustment that I've made is understanding that you can get a lot of things done in a quick time in two, two and a half hours versus four that take forever. And I've, I've enjoyed our practices the way they've gone this fall. The other thing is, is uh, you know, our conditioning is baseball conditioning. Uh, I'm not a track coach, so I'm not into running five miles or running around the field four, ten, four times or whatever the case may be. Our conditioning is through baseball, taking ground balls, base running, swinging the bat, and if we if we hustle on and off the field every day, which I'm really pushing with this team, get on and off the field. If you do it every day, you don't have to condition at the end of practice. If I see one guy not hustling on and off the field, then we will do base running after practice. So, you know, it's just getting guys' attention, getting them to understand that, uh, you know, if you can improve on one thing per day, whether it's, a, you know, being able to push bunt, drag bunt, uh, recognize breaking ball in the zone, throwing strike one, uh, fielding your position, knowing the bunt defense, knowing the pick signs, you get better at one thing. And that's the big key that I learned from Coach Seymour, you know, years ago, is get better at one thing per day and you'll improve a lot. 
That's awesome. And, you know, another thing that's really changed about the, uh, the game throughout the last five years for sure is definitely the use of technology in the game as well. So, you know, over at uh, Wichita, what are some, you know, ways that you guys utilize uh, technology? I'm really excited about this, the technology of the game. You know, I think the swing is the swing and the launch angle is a big thing going on. You know, hitting the ball to the outfield over the fence, I get all that. But we, we bought Flight Scope this year. Uh, and we, we're using it, using it in our scrimmages, and it's a portable one, and we'll have a stadium flight scope that, that uh, just is stable up in the stadium for every home game. We're picking up extension, spin rate, velocity, launch angle, exit velocity, uh, you know, where the location of the pitches are. I mean, we have video, of course. I mean, video is a big thing, and it's been around for many years. But this flight scope, track man, things like that that are going on, Rhapsody, uh, that's a big thing in baseball as far as technology where the kids, you know, like Coach Steele, our pitching coach, can take our flight scope, set it in the bullpen, can work with mechanics, uh, with the guy in his wind-up and stretch, and he can give him the results instantly of the mechanics or the changes that he's trying to add to the player to make him better. So they can see that instead of just hearing, they can see numbers and see if that's working for that player or not. I think it's huge. Uh, players want to know why. Play, good players always want to know why would I make this change. Smart players that are going to ask you questions, and they're going to challenge you as a coach. I love those guys. I'd rather have a player ask than not speak. So this technology has been huge. And as you watch the, you know, the playoffs going on, which I love the playoffs. I mean, it shows the strike zone, the velocity. Uh, there's a lot of great things that uh, young players can watch and see, you know, just from watching the games at night. Yeah, that's such a good point. I kind of want to transition here a little bit, go back and touch on something you opened up earlier. Uh, you know, you have a lot of experience as an assistant coach. Can you kind of open up what that transition was like for you, uh, moving to a head coach, yeah. and then advice you would give to uh, coaches going through that transition? You know, when I went to McNeese, uh, I was there three years as a head coach, and enjoyed it because that's where I'm from and I went to school there and uh, we had some really good players. I mean, we had, we signed Clay Buckholtz, Wade LeBlanc, who's in the big leagues with the Mariners. And the other, the third player was Jacob Marceau, who was a first rounder that never did make it to the big leagues, but he was really good. That was going to be our, our weekend rotation. But when I got there, you know, the transition from an assistant to a head coach is an assistant, you go recruit, you make decisions, uh, you're kind of by yourself a lot. Uh, you have your own niche. You're working with hitters. My job at Alabama is to work with hitters and both runners and outfielders, and I recruited. And recruiting is number one. I mean, that's most important. When I went to McNeese, I kind of still did the same thing. You know, I, I was still recruiting. I was still working with hitters and outfielders and even infielders. But probably it took me about two years to understand to trust the people around me, that they can do the job, and that's their job to do that. Uh, my pitching coach's job is to make them better, my infield coach, my hitting coach, and backing out of the way and having patience and trying to help my coaches coach the players. I think that was the big adjustment because I was used to doing things on my own, and if things didn't get done immediately, I would just go do it. So, you know, understanding that you're the head coach, you're supposed to oversee everything, you're supposed to watch all, all, all things going on, your coaches and your players, so I think that was uh, a good adjustment for me, and it took me probably a little bit longer than than what it should have. Wanting to win, you know, being at the places I'd been at, 
going to McNeese, I walked into a pretty good team the first year. Third team, we were really good. But just, you know, respecting the players, their hard work. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in a player's life, like school, tests. You know, there's girlfriends. There's family issues at times. There's baseball struggles. Some guys are doing well. Some guys aren't. I think as time has progressed, just understanding that the game of baseball is extremely tough. You can make a good pitch, the guy hits it out of the yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can take a good swing, and you hit it right to the shortstop. You can have four good at-bats that are quality at-bats, and you go 0 for 4. So, you know, the game is extremely tough. And probably the biggest thing I've learned from the assistant to the head coaching position is motivation, trying to stay positive trying to keep players eager to be excited to get to the park. I talked to our team the other day about being excited every day to come to the park. And I told them, I said, I'm excited each day to get to the park to work with another player. And I enjoy coaching. To be totally honest with you, I enjoy practice probably more than games because in practice I can coach, I can teach, and the players that are open to getting better every day, those guys are awesome to work with. Some guys are stubborn. You have to work around that. You have to be patient and let them come to you. But I enjoy practice. I always have. You know, the games are nine innings. The players get the games. I get the practice. So, you know, just uh, watching players develop, you know, seeing a lot of a lot of players make it, you know, get, make it to Omaha, uh, make it to the big leagues, play in the Major League World Series, and thinking back of how when they were a freshman, they couldn't get out of the first inning as a pitcher. Or as a freshman, they couldn't stay off a slider in the dirt with two strikes. And you watch them develop, and they grow, and they grow, and their confidence grows. And they go play in the Cape Cod League or Team USA or play in Alaska. And they just keep working from January to November every single year. And they get prepared for the next level. That's that's fun. That's what coaching's all about. That's awesome. You know, one thing I wanted you to break into as well is, you know, what's really changed in your coaching style over the years? You know, not listen to the noise. You know, I mean, there, there's so much negativity. It, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, Nick Saban, let's just, uh, Coach Saban, I mean, he's won national championship year after year. You know, when they play Auburn, if they don't beat Auburn, you know, it's like a bad year or just one game. And you look at the history of his tradition and and whatnot. You know, Coach Stevenson, the great job that he did here. Uh, But there's so much, at times, noise. And I talk to our players about it. Uh, You know, I don't read the Internet. I don't don't watch the news during our season. Uh, I don't listen to talk radio. I enjoy being in the dugout with my 35 players. And... When I can stay with our team and I go home with my family, my wife has been with me since we were 15. We dated, uh, and she's been strong. She likes going to the College World Series. We haven't been since 2012. But just staying positive. I mean, that's the whole ticket to playing baseball because it is a negative game. Uh, There's a lot of negativity in the world. But being positive to know that you're doing the right things that players are improving, uh, would like to win championships, would like to get back to Omaha, but understanding that the process uh, with recruiting that is three years out now, now, or let's think about it, seniors, juniors, sophomores, and even freshmen are committing early. You know, it's not like it was 20 years ago, that it takes time to catch up. And I thought that we caught up last year. We had a very good team. We had, we had a good season. And, uh, you know, but to answer your question, is keeping the blindfolders on 
and staying with your players and staying with your family and staying with your philosophy and understanding, you know, sticking with your coaching staff and the fact that, hey, we're going to keep grinding and working. And we all use the word grinding. It's a job that, that I enjoy coming to work every day, and uh, I enjoy the challenges of getting players better. Yeah, that's good. I think you might have a, a similar answer here. Uh, I want you to kind of think back to your early days in coaching. Um, what advice, you know, one or two pieces of advice would you give to those young guys just getting into it? As a young coach, I mean, there's two things I would say. There's one chief. You know, there's one guy that's in charge, and that's the head coach. And when I worked for Jim Wells at Alabama and Dave Van Horn and Tony Robichaux when I started, if they told me to go dig a ditch six foot deep and two feet wide, I didn't ask questions. I mean, maybe that's how I was brought up with my with my parents. But uh, if he told me to go repaint the cages and have it done by Sunday and have the nets back up, me and my stepfather were out there Sunday repainting the cages on Friday, putting them up on Sunday. Didn't ask questions. Did my job. So the man in charge, you're supposed to please the head coach and the players as an assistant coach. That's your job. Players, head coach, get the things done that are needed for the program. Number two is be where your feet are. You have a good job. If you have a good job and you're happy, stay happy. Keep working. Uh, a lot of people are always trying to work for the next thing. That will come if you're doing your job. And I think being where your feet are, trust me, when I was a young coach, I thought I'd have national championships by now. Um, it happened. And 1997 is the last time that I've been in that national championship game. So life is really awesome and it's strange uh, you know 30 years ago i was recruited by coach stevenson years later i replace him it's 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 crazy uh how that happened you know I, the other thing is an assistant go do as many things as you can go to clinics go coach summer baseball if you're allowed to i coached two years in alaska it's the best two summers i had in my life mm -hmm. loved going up there played in the cape cod league was fortunate to go up there uh, when Biggio and Martinez and those guys were up there, great players. Uh, you know, looking back, I got to see those guys early. Do as much as you can as an assistant coach. Learn as much baseball and and stick to what you do and knowing yourself. And uh, stay positive. But uh, being where your feet are and, and doing what's needed for the program. And then also, too, you know, as we start to wrap up here, I wanted uh, to get this from you as well. What has been your best source to develop yourself as a coach? Reading books. You know, on those bus rides that we would have, you know, now we get to fly in the American Athletic Conference. That's one thing I didn't cover. We went from the Missouri Valley to the American Athletic Conference, which is the number four ranked conference the last two years. So we, this conference that we play in, we fly. So I'll get to read books, motivational books. You know, someone that's doing well in athletics as a head coach in the NBA or or Major League Baseball, or in college athletics. If there's a book out, I'll try to read it. But, uh, you know, my family, my wife, my two daughters have been positive. That's all they know is baseball. They have been fantastic. So the highlight of my day is getting up, getting to practice and working, and then coming home and eating with my family at night. Uh, that's that's basically the things I do. I've always been a baseball guy. And, uh, you know, just reading uh learning things from books that I can implement with our team that uh, can help them stay strong. I'll pass along books to players that might have some struggles going on in their life with different things that come up. Uh, tell them to read the book. Hey, read this chapter. So, you know, that's been fun and watching guys fight through struggles that they have. 
and uh, you know, as a head coach, you know, I have to I have to do what I preach, um, and that's the other thing is being able to evaluate yourself as a head coach to make sure that you're doing the things that are needed to help this player accomplish his goals with good leadership. Yeah, that's outstanding. Well, Todd, we appreciate you opening up the information for our listeners. If any of them would like to reach out to you about anything that we've covered today, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, email would be uh, ltbutler at goshockers.com. So it's ltbutler at goshockers.com if they want to reach out through email. And then from there, we'll take it a little bit further. And uh, But if anyone wants to email me, I'd look forward to it. Man, no, that's awesome. No, hey, you know, we really appreciate you jumping on with us. We know you got some hitters and things you're jumping out here till soon, uh, soon, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to give back to the game. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys for giving me the call and the opportunity, and uh, I've enjoyed it. Thanks, Todd. Man, just so awesome, you know, to have somebody like Todd on with so much, uh, you know, history behind that program and everything that's going on over there. This call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Yeah, it was so cool to have the old school mentality, you know, brought to the new school game. What was your biggest call takeaway, Joey? Yeah, I mean, that's one thing, you know, I think I think there is a, like a bias of when someone's like really old school. I think some people want to look at him and go, oh, well, you know, you know that they're not going to be here in this new school. I think he's done a great job of mixing and being, you know, open to some of those uh, newer ideas, but also mixing them with some of the great um, morals and then the importance of some of the things that you know old school guys really focus on. So I really loved, um, I really loved his mentality. Um, I'm really drawn to. I love the old school stuff. I really love, um, you know, just the importance of things that they're looking for and the things that they focus on. I also really loved uh, the practice plans. You know how they're the two days and then also how they circle back. I think that's a great, um, you know, great ideas to mix in and merge with, the, uh, um, you know, everybody else's practice plans as well. But how about you, Bo? Yeah, that's good. Uh, I kind of liked how he talked about the player development and his obligation to continue what's been built there at Wichita State. Uh, I also liked how he touched on recruiting, um, talked about how he doesn't really necessarily develop these players. He he finds them and then he mentors them and just gives them the means to kind of bring out their potential. And I also liked how he talked about doing that with coaches. You know, we have an obligation as a head coach to kind of make sure our assistants are ready to, you know, get go take over a program when it's their time. So those are kind of my biggest takeaways. All awesome things. Well, guys, as always, this is a great episode to share. Um, you know, Todd's got a great, uh, you know, again, historic program, um, a lot of great insights. He offered a lot, of, you know, he poured out and gave us a whole bunch. So, you know, great episode to share. Again, as always, if you guys quote this, uh, this episode with, you know, quotes that you liked from, from the episode or had any comments, any questions, anything like that, um, we'll retweet you guys, spread your guys' network, help you guys grow as well. Um, and we just appreciate and love you guys. But until next time, Farm System out. Ah.